Yo, my dude! <gasps> We're here. We're here. Woo, baby! Man. So excited. Me too. I am, you, man. I am genuinely oozing with excitement. Uh, I didn't say literally, because that'd be a little strange, I guess. <laughs> but I, I am just... The flutters are real in this moment. They are, man. And it's... Ooh, I've just been waiting so long for just this moment, but also, my friend, to talk to you. I'm so excited to... To dive into this with you. I know. This is like the the Jedi and the Padawan experiencing <laughs> something for the first time. You know, the master and the apprentice. And so, man, oh, man, we're here. And, we're here. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about episode one of campaign three of <gasps> Critical Role. So I'm Will. That's Wait, I'm Blake. I'm Blake? <laughs> That's weird. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> We've already we doing something there. <laughs> yeah, I'm Blake. That's Will, and uh, we're the Pixelists, and we like to talk about our favorite games, movies, shows that uh, tickles our fancy. We are huge D&D nerds, and if you've made it to our humble Pixelist podcast, welcome. Thank you for checking out the Pixelist podcast, where we're going to be talking about the amazing, the exceptional, the oh-so-exciting campaign number three, episode one. So... My man, we are here. It's been a lot of buildup for today. There's been a lot of um, just excitement, anxiousness. Yeah. I mean, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good, man. I, you know, it's 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 actually hasn't been that long of a wait, really, all things considered, especially since we got EXU in the interim. But I've uh, been waiting for this moment, and I, it honestly uh, lived up to my expectations and then some. I had a great time last night. Uh, was very thoroughly impressed and enjoyed the episode. And uh, I just, I can't wait for this campaign, man. The episode uh, was terrific. Yeah. I mean, it was, I was smiling. I was laughing. It was so great. What in retrospect, now it's only been um, just under 24 hours since the episode aired. Um, and then I caught a uh, rewatch today. I think you watched some of it again today. Mm-hmm. What what was it, do you think, about the episode that just made it? I mean, was it the buildup? Was it just the hype of here we are? I mean, what what made it so great in your mind? Yeah, I think it was a, a combination of things. One, just campaign three, like amidst all this excitement of the animated show about to come out, like just the growth of their company, um, you know, just the pure excitement of a new campaign to begin with, but also the fact that we're coming off kind of the pandemic campaign, if if I if you'll allow me to call it that, just because you know, in the in campaign two, they all were separate, all had to um, you know, kind of do things differently to accommodate that, and now we're all back in this brand new beautiful set that is yeah. incredible. They're all back at the same table, so I think that was just like so many layers of excitement that were all you know coming to fruition all tonight and that just just made it great yeah there was definitely a um just an air of optimism on Mm -hmm. the show watching it um i loved the episode it was phenomenal i mean i was giddy watching it Uh, (laughs) and it's big for me in the sense of i haven't committed to an entire watch through of a campaign before and so i'm really excited for where this campaign goes i know dude i'm so stoked to have you in have you in for the ride this time around? So yeah, just, I mean, Blake basically just covered it, but a little backstory on us is you, you've seen about maybe like 20 or 30 episodes total of Critical I think, Role. 
Uh, yeah, I think I saw maybe the first 10 of campaign two, and then I saw maybe 15 to 20 of campaign one. Okay. And I, I have seen all of campaign one and two, but then we both watched EXU. Um, right. Yeah. So we mm -hmm. got Blake in for that. And now we're diving into this campaign together. So yeah, dude, I'm so excited that you're here for the beginning of it. And uh, just to have uh, one of my good friends to talk about it with, which I'm sure a lot of critters can kind of relate to that of, you know, being so into this show and maybe not having really people to mm -hmm. talk about it with. So which, which, by the way, uh, if you're watching this video, you've probably seen episode one, but if you have a friend or a loved one or someone who you would want them to enjoy Critical Role with you, but you're thinking like, where the heck do we start with this? Like, how do I even like get them introduced to the concept of it? Well, uh, you got to check out our other video on what is Critical Role. We posted it last week and it's just a very generic drive-by of pretty much everything you need to know to get started. And we're probably going to say this, I, I mean, Will, I'm, I'm venturing to guess we're going to say this almost every episode, but it's never too late to, get, to get engaged, get involved. Um, and we're all part of this grand story together. Yeah, it really is never too late because you can always catch up and what another plug is Blake and I are going to be doing recaps for each episode. So, you know, if you miss one or, you know, whatever the case may be, we'll be, we'll have those out there to help you get caught up. Um, but now is the perfect, there's not a better time than right now to jump in because we're at a brand new campaign, you know, like here in a year and a half, we're going to be 80 episodes deep. And mm -hmm. then I could maybe understand some people's hesitancy, <laughs> but it's right now there's no excuse. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely well, you jump in. You mentioned the recap, and uh, one thing about the recaps is we're always going to have the re the recap um, that gets posted. Uh, we're not we're still working out details, but there's always going to be a recap separate video along with some discussion in the actual episode. Um, we'd love to know, by the way, if you love a sort of long form recap that covers all the nice, neat little bits of flavor and Easter eggs and cool moments. Or if you're looking for like, hey, just give it to me quick and dirty. What's the basic details of what happened? Uh, so far, our recaps are about 15 to 20 minutes long, and we're kind of aiming to, to stick around that. But we'd love to know what do you enjoy? What do you like? Um, and having said that, maybe it's a good time to talk about what happened in episode one of Critical Role Campaign 3. Ooh. You want to yeah. kick us off? Yeah, let's do it. So um, this will be yeah. our... And let me. Sorry, let me turn no, my... Fine. To my notes here because i was taking a bunch of notes and i think you were taking a bunch of notes um but yeah so take it away my man yeah and um just to reiterate because we will be cutting this out and putting this on youtube hello youtube we are the pixelists um that's blake i'm will and we've got your critical role campaign three episode one recap here for you so um let's see to start all right so <clears throat> The episode opens with as as the past campaigns have as well, um, with Matt basically staring us in the eye, peering straight into my soul and uh, <laughs> basically giving a monologue about uh, just Marquette and Exandria, yeah. but Exandria, but more specifically Marquette and just setting up uh, basically the location in which we find ourselves, not only for the campaign at, at whole, but also like the more specific location, yeah. uh, which I will get to. But I got to say that. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, my wife, by the way, during that opening, she was like, it was kind of, we were just silent listening. And she goes, wow, he's pretty good. <laughs> She's never seen him DM yeah. before. Yeah. She's like, wow, he's he's really good. He's incredible. Which, <laughs> But which, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. Which that's actually a perfect segue as to what I was going to say is that Matt does a better job than I ever could. And so I don't want to just sit here 
and word for word repeat what he said because he he gives like a a, a five minute like basically opening mm-hmm. uh preface to the campaign and so i would highly recommend that you just go check out that vod it's the very beginning it'll just take a couple minutes um and you can get a much vivid pic better picture painted than yeah. i could but i will try to you know still give the condensed version here um and essentially we are in marquette and it is the year 843 pd which stands for post divergence and th- just for reference this means it's about a year after the events of exandria unlimited give or take and about seven years after the events of campaign two um <clears throat> so our story begins yeah. in the serpent wind peaks which is st- these uh, big mountains that are strewn basically amongst this like lush jungle forest area called the odrian wilds and you guys will have to forgive me on some of the pronunciations once once we get deeper into the campaign hopefully i'll learn them so <laughs> it'll be commonplace at that point. bear with me yeah <laughs> if laura uh, bailey can't remember lord esteros i think it's okay if we <laughs> exactly forget how to pronounce a couple of these things <laughs> so, that's later in the, in the episode spoiler oh Sorry. but um so there's numerous towns kind of scattered in this area um when I, I believe it's called the honored trails and the five of these tower-like mountains basically spew out of this f- forest among uh, above all the rest. And they have been carved to basically house these streets and, you know, urban districts and everything, basically forming this uh, massive singular city connected by bridges and cables and um, just all sorts of, like, canopy-esque um, accoutrement. And uh, this is known as the capital city, Drusar, um, home to the Shandai Quorum. Again, yep, pronunciation. Right. Yeah, you know um, And that, that which oversees and controls the larger populace. Um, so we pick up within one of these cable cars, kind of traveling between this mountainous city. Um, and inside we meet our first two characters. We have uh, Imogen, who is a young human sorcerer with like long, light purple hair uh, and a Thick Southern accent, um, Great. played by you know the one and only Laura Bailey, uh, and we have Laudna, who is uh, also young but a bit older than Imogen, and um, she's got dark hair and it's kind of very like macabre and kind of got like a a gothic vibe a little bit. That's a great way to put it, yeah. <clears throat> um, and she's got black hair with a, a streak of white, and I think she uh, she they mentioned she has a belt with like a dead rat on it and like a. Yeah. I think bird I, skull. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very wholesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so great two, for your children. <laughs> the two of them are in this, you know, cable car and we find out that they've been here for a couple weeks and they have come to the city because Imogen is um, wanting to access some books, some knowledge, some research uh, that she is trying to find. And there are a couple places here that have a vast libraries and stuff. Um, one of which is the Starpoint Conservatory, which is where they're currently headed. Um, because if you are not a student of these um, universities, like universities, yeah, thank you, um, then you must have, you have to request like special permission to be able to access it. So uh, she did just that, but they haven't heard back. And so they decided to go and check and see if there's any news. Um, so they arrive at this conservatory, um, go in, and there's a lady there that they speak to. And uh, long story short, they're like, she's like, you know, can I access this information? And uh, she's like, let me go check. She comes back with a letter, and unfortunately, they are denying her um, access to the information. And so they're like, what can we do? And she's basically like, you need this written permission 
from uh, someone from the Quorum or someone from the Guru Courtier Ugh, pronunciation. Um, yeah, I wrote Kotri. I don't remember what that was. From. Oh yeah, a coder. Yeah, I think you're saying it right. Kotri um, or Kotri to speak on your behalf. And so they're like, okay, how do we do this? And they're like, you just you got to get in with one of them and they get permission. So they kind of leave tail between their legs, having not got what they come came for, but now they're on a new quest to kind of you know gain some recognition so that they can you know earn this entry to these libraries um so they decide to leave and they're like uh let's you know hit the market before we head home and that's kind of the end of that scene and now we cut over to a new place now known as the crook house which is like this destitute um kind of like underground vibe kind of like for the outcasts of the society it seems like um like hovel as it were but uh it's actually like quite colorful and fun inside like the beads and different things strewn about um and that made it actually sound to be pretty big saying it contained like a multitude of ladders and rafters and ropes and tunnels so it was this really cool like underground network of of outcasts seemingly mm. and um we're introduced here to ashton uh Talison's character, which by the way, I don't remember if I said this, Laudna is Marisha Ray's character, so forgive right. me if I didn't mention yep. that. Um, so here we're introduced to Ashton, who is an Earth Genasty barbarian, and he's so cool. He's got like uh this injury on his head that is like we don't really know what happened, but it's got like this cracked uh veneer that like goes down his arm, and it, he said it was uh, looked like it had been like filled in with gold or something and he's got a uh, jacket that says just don't on it and a big mace that says fuck off <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh he's kind of getting getting over a hangover as he's waking up and uh runs down to get some food uh a gentleman which i assume is uh his friend uh a, a non-binary human i think named milo um and I got the impression he was like the like the steward of the house, maybe even the person yeah. who owns the house. Yeah. Um, but me too. I think you're anyway, correct. Uh, so he's cooking up and Ashton basically asks, Hey, have you seen fresh cut grass? And basically cue Sam Regal's character entering the scene, which is <laughs> a small automaton robot called fresh cut grass, AKA FCG for short. And uh, he's called that because He's got this symbol on his chest that looks like blades of grass. And we actually learn a little bit more about why he's called that later, too. Um, but they talk a little bit and we find out that they've been kind of traveling together for a few weeks. And they decide that they need to get out and look for some work because they don't have any money. So um, very wholesome character, by the way. Yes, he's yeah, he's he's basically Ted Lasso. <laughs> yes, like, I was going to say that to you. That's exactly who he is. <laughs> I'm on episode two, so I immediately had to use the reference. Nice. So, anyway, that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, but 100 percent agree. Um, very wholesome. And uh, so they leave the uh, crook house and are off to go find some money. They uh, ultimately decide to head to this inn named the Spire by Fire, <laughs> and um, which rhymes. And uh, Ashton walks up and goes and talks to the bartender and is like, hey, you got any work for me? And unfortunately, the bartender tells him that, you know, don't really have anything that suits your particular skill set. But um, he gets a real kick out of fresh cut grass, um, whom eats a few pieces of copper because 
he's a robot and that's what he eats instead of food. And the bartender just loves that and is like, hey, you could entertain people around here and make some money. But, you know, Ashton, I don't have anything for you. And uh, we also learn kind of a little bit about uh, Fresh Cut Grass here is that like he's just like we just mentioned, Ted Lasso, very wholesome. Uh, he, his goal in life is just to find people and kind of help them find their purpose, their fulfillment, their happiness. Uh, he thinks there's a lot of broken people out there and he just wants to help them, which is kind and, of enlightening uh, for why he's paired up with Ashton, who seems to be a little, you know, rougher around the edges. Yeah. And it's <laughs> nice. The barkeep is like, uh, after he says this, he's like, all right, now you've made it weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very, very wholesome for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so that we kind of, that's kind of the end of that scene. And again, we cut, um, over to huge surprise moment freaking exu people show up we've got orum dorian and fern arriving uh to Drusar by skyship having uh chartered one on their quest given to them by uh keyleth the voice of the tempest um and that has that has brought them here um so we've got fern played by ashley johnson who is this fawn druid with uh long green hair she's like covered in flowers and mushrooms and like little jewelry and baubles and she's got a little flaming monkey on her shoulder uh named mister uh we have orum played by liam o'brien who is a uh halfling fighter and he's got like short blonde hair wearing like you know simple leather armor and he's got himself a very fancy shield and a nice sword and uh a sleeve tattoo that goes crawls all the way up his arm and is crowned by the two moons of Exandria. Um, and then finally we have Dorian who is played by Robbie Damon surprise addition to the cast, um, whom is a, uh, traveling bard air Genasi, uh, blue skin wearing, uh, nice clothes, very clean, well-kempt, well-manicured. Um, and it's revealed that they are here on a mission to find a man. Um, we don't know who yet, um, but they mentioned that this city is huge and we have to find one man. This like might be tough. Um, so they decide to take the night to kind of decompress from their travel, uh, get some food, get some sleep, and then really start their quest in the morning. Um, Dorian, who has been here before, warns them, hey, you know, be careful. I got pickpocketed last time I was here, so watch your back. And basically, as he's saying this, Fern pickpockets a Pachydon, <laughs> which pronunciation, I hope, which is like right. a large, like, elephant type creature, <laughs> and she steals his <laughs> earring from him, uh, which Orum and Dorian immediately scold her for this, and are like, this trouble is gonna catch up to you. Like, you can't keep doing this. And she's like, oh, you said it was easy to steal here, so... I did. <laughs> um, so they scold her for that. And then they're like, okay, yeah, let's go get some food and rest. And Dorian, having been here before, suggests the Spire by Fire. And right. so they head that way. And uh, then we then it picks back up with um, Imogen and Laudna again. When all of a sudden this wayward cart comes crashing down the alleyway and causing a ruckus. And you want to take it from there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think uh, Matt did such a great job describing like this moment. Like, there's this. They're they've just gotten their groceries and they're walking essentially by um, the spire by fire and hear this low boom hum. And uh, this cart has this big um, 
you know, glowing orb of blue energy that's there for just a second and then it disappears and it basically shatters this carriage and all of the things it's carrying go um, scattering across the road. And immediately as this is happening, some of the items in the carriage uh, actually begin to animate and they look pretty menacing. And so Ladna and uh, Imogen are like right there like, are you seeing this? Like what's going on here? And also, in, it's actually right in front of the tavern, um, Fresh Cut Grass and Ashton are like, what's going on out there? And uh, uh, Fresh Cut Grass is like, is it a party? And <laughs> Ashton's like, yeah, let's go. So he rushes out, or excuse me, they rush out. And um, basically, uh, they arrive also at the same time that Dorian, Fern, and uh, Orem are also arriving. So everyone's arriving at the exact same moment. And essentially, the things that animate are a sword, a kitchen knife, a rug, a broom, and a large table. And this is the first initiative of the campaign. And Ooh. so they begin to fight it. Um, it's it's a pretty typical battle. There's a couple of really cool details that give you a little bit of insight on the character's subclass. Uh, Ladna does something called Form, I think Form of the Dead, or Form of Dread. I'm not sure. I think it's Form of the Dead. Yeah, I think and, so. And... Uh, somehow related to her warlock subclass, uh, but it transforms her into this really ghastly, um, I think she even describes like a veil coming over her face as her bones kind of pop and she like stretches and becomes like this ghastly uh, figure. Um, and then Ashton does, they do like this interesting, uh, they mentioned like this gravity energy that they're doing and uh, it seems to pull the animated objects towards them. Uh, and they also mentioned doing this this thing called like chaos burst, I think, or or um, chaos blast. Uh, actually, I wrote it down. Chaos burst, mm -hmm. uh, which I I did a Google. I had no idea what it was and couldn't find anything either. So I guess it's a, a bit of a homebrew thing. And the other thing that might be a, a homebrew detail is fresh cut grass does something called sympathetic link, which allows him when someone takes damage, he takes half of the damage. Yeah. Um, they uh, yeah, they sorry. Uh, they actually are both homebrew. Matt tweeted about it okay, uh, great. a little bit earlier today. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we get a little bit of home homebrew flavor in this battle, uh, but pretty typical battle. Um, it's fun seeing them all, you know, start to show some of the flair of their characters, and we finally get Travis's character rushing out, mm -hmm. a man that he describes in his late seventies, early eighties, with a, I believe, a cane and a rapier. <laughs> And rushes out and says, for Drasar, and <laughs> begins to battle. I don't know. So they battle. Uh, they end up defeating these random objects. And uh, after the fight's over, um, Travis's character, who introduces himself as Sir Bertrand Bell, a level five fighter, basically says, hey, you guys were pretty awesome. Are y'all looking for more work? And Laudna says, well, we're not really looking for money, speaking for herself and Imogen. But like, would this help us get enough esteem, like doing more work where maybe the Starpoint Conservatory would let us in? And he's like, oh, yeah, of course. In fact, uh, I actually own a or I sponsor a portion of their library. And uh, Bertrand Bell makes several comments like this, by the way, that makes him seem like uh, essentially a very key figure uh, in Drasar. Mm -hmm. And this is an important detail because actually he mentions they, they go inside, they have this conversation and he actually mentions there's a philanthropist, a very important person in the core spire, which the core spire is the central spire. There's five spires that comprise Drasar. And in the core spire, there's a philanthropist, 
philanthropist, (laughs) full on (laughs) a philanthropist who um, goes by the name of Lord Esteros. And we joked earlier that some of the cast were like, what's the name again? And it was like Lord Esteros and uh, sort of has this ambition to help as many people as possible. And Bertrand Bell is, uh, they joke, is sort of like a talent agent whose job is to go out and find um, great great potential hires who could come do tasks that would essentially be similar to what they just did. It'd be, they would basically need to bring some muscle and um, solve some, maybe some precarious problems. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ashton and Fresh Cut Grass are really motivated by the idea of making some money. Um, Orem, Fern and Dorian Orem is interested and has this intuition he calls it this itch at the back of his brain that maybe they should do something like this even though it's a bit of a segue from their main mission Mm -hmm. and ladna and imogen are like yeah let's do it this is going to get us the clout we need to uh, get into the starpoint conservatory so they agree to meet the next morning uh that night as a sort of killing time um uh, orem actually goes over to bertrand bell's room knocks on the door and uh, Bertrand Bell is sound asleep in his chair. And uh, he's like, oh, is it is it morning? And he's like, no, it's 730. <laughs> like, we just spoke. Like, And he's like, who are you? And he's like, we just spoke half an hour ago. <laughs> but he asks him, hey, since you seem to know everyone here, and he again, he's like, oh, yeah, of course, I know everybody. He asks, do you know a Boshad Brescio? Brezio? Um, and then also asks, do you know someone who calls themselves the Anger? To both of which, uh, Bertrand Bell's like, I, I have no idea who either of those people are. Uh, but Lord Estros, maybe he'll know. Um, simultaneously, uh, Ladna and Imogen are going back to where they're staying, which is this neighborhood called, uh, I think, the Windowed Whale uh, or the Well, Windowed something. I thought and Windowed Wall, maybe? I windowed think. Wall, it makes sense. And it is this sprawling neighborhood. They're staying in this um, woman's house who basically is a widow. Um, her late husband passed away a long time ago. And um, now she's sort of like a, a an innkeeper, I guess, um, for an Airbnb or whatever. <laughs> and uh, once they're in there, they ask about Lord Esteros. And the woman mentions, oh, yes, Lord Esteros, years ago, he took over the estate of a woman uh, who basically died and um, he like moved in and bought her place. Um, but that's the only detail that we get. And then back at the tavern at the Spire by Fire, uh, Ashton decides that they're going to play cards with the bouncer and another person uh, down in the bar. Fresh Cut Grass uh, keeps a lookout and decides that whoever gets the drunkest and is in the need of most help, he's going to donate his room to that person uh, and actually does so. And then Fern decides with Dorian to um, uh, just enjoy the environment a little bit. And so Dorian decides to play his liar, and it's uh, pretty much a total train wreck. Uh, but he eventually wins back the crowd thanks to uh, Fern being like, oh my gosh, it's Dorian Storm, uh, which helps a little bit. And then Fern actually tries to help Ashton win his card game that he's bought into uh, with the Pachadon, um who he's playing against. And unfortunately, Ashton eventually loses. He loses but, a lot. <laughs> yeah, loses a lot of money, actually. Um, all that to say, uh, the night passes. Uh, Ashton does check the detail of Fern trying to give him a hand and just makes a mental note and says, like, I, that surprises me. That's interesting. And then there's one other big detail, actually, before the party had split. 
they actually are getting to know each other a bit. And Fresh Cut Grass mentions that he first came across, across Ashton, or rather Ashton came across him when uh, him, him being Fresh Cut Grass, um, was in, the, in a silver mine on a mission in a nearby town with a bunch of his friends. And they were basically all murdered, <laughs> except for him. <laughs> he describes that he was in stasis mode. And then Ashton came along a few days later and found him and was like, yeah, all your friends are dead. Um, also mentions that uh, he's named after his, he, call, he keeps calling them his associate, mm-hmm. uh, not like his creator, but an associate who goes by the name of Dancer, who has created similar friends like him that are all um, after <laughs> her, her favorite smells, I think <laughs> is what she they had said. Yeah. And uh, other than that, um, he now has, after he basically woke up and found all of his friends are dead, he collected some certain key parts of their bodies, like a saw blade. I guess to remember them by, I'm not really quite sure, but um, he's now has like an amalgamation of different things from there. Yeah, I think it's so he can like do different stuff, you know, like he could maybe attach the saw blade and like do yeah, damage yeah, yeah. or, you know. Yeah. Uh, getting, this just, just isn't getting too long winded. Um, getting to the point, the next morning they're heading off to uh, Lord Estros's place. And um, again, Bertrand Bell is making all these comments. Like, I think Dorian even asked, like, is he expecting us? And he's like, oh, yes, of course. Like, really hams up the fact that he's Lord Estros's go-to guy. They get there. The person who comes to the door, the servant is like, uh, what's going on? Like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> oh, you're, yeah. And it kind of has to, uh, Bell has to sort of jog his memory uh, mm-hmm. or jog her memory. And she's like, oh, okay. Basically says, the Lord will see you. They go into this place. It is notably very dim. Uh, they mentioned there's almost no, Matt Mercer mentioned there's almost no like natural light in this place. And they're led to this dark, room with the crackling fire a study where um this older orc who um pretty clearly he's bald and uh pretty clearly is on the tail end of his life but still maintains this power and presence about himself silver fox Um, yeah announces himself as uh lord esteros and basically is like what are you doing here bertrand and it's pretty clear that bertrand in him had engaged in something a few months ago. And then Lord Estros had, was not expecting to see him again. Yeah. Um, or certainly wasn't like this sort of deal that Bertrand described to the rest of the group. Um, so Lord Estros to the rest of the group is like, who are you guys? What do you want? And Fern, you know, in typical Fern fashion is like, like what do I want out of life or like, what do I want? <laughs> Um, it's kind of a funny comment, but, um, Lord Estros is really, uh, uh, annoyed by this and is like, Bertrand, you've totally like, you're an idiot. Like you've wasted my time. And, uh, Bertrand's like, no, no, no. They want to work for you. They're great. They're, they're great potential hires. And Lord Estros says, really? Well, if that's true, prove it and stands up and charges at the group. And that's where the episode ends. Uh, and that is what happened in episode one of campaign three. Yeah. Number yeah. one in the books, baby. We did it. We did it. And uh yeah, I mean, I almost don't know where to start with this episode other than the fact that I enjoyed every pretty much every single detail of it. Yeah, and uh again, uh if you're if you are on YouTube watching this recap, uh the video's ending here, but if you're interested in Blake and I's thoughts, our discussion and everything, we'll do a link down to the the full video below, so feel yep. free to check that out. Um but yeah, uh, I don't know where to start either, but I would be remiss if we didn't talk about 
a couple things out of game first. One okay. being the freaking set, man. Just yep. awesome. how incredible it was. And just the the if you're new to Critical Role, the this is brand new, the set they're in, and those lighting effects where it like, you know, when it became sunset that you know, and then yep. dusk and just everything is it so incredible. It's gonna be so yep. hard for somebody who who didn't watch C1 and to like if, if C3 is their first experience to like go back and watch C1 just because it's it's such a massive downgrade in production quality. Um, I still say it's worth it. Um, well, I, I've mentioned before, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but I'm a DM of about seven people who are mostly first time players. And I sent them to watch the show last night and they're like, oh, this is awesome. And check this out. But at the same time, I was like, their <laughs> their expectations are going to skyrocket oh, no, now. Yeah. For like, what makes it amazing, you know? But yeah, the set was amazing. The lighting effects were really cool, and I get the impression there's actually going to be quite a bit more we haven't seen from the set. Yeah, um, so. I agreed. I mean, the capabilities just—I think we've scratched the surface, and I, in particular, am just cannot wait for the first scene where it's like raining because I know it's going to be awesome, and I bet those the two windows in the back of the set are actually tvs and so i can just imagine like you know it playing like a rainy background or something um but yeah just incredible marisha and the entire production uh, production team she put together did an incredible job and mentioned this a little bit before earlier but uh gotta say it again just so awesome to have everyone back at the same table um it's just great to see them get to have that again after being Mm -hmm. uh separated during the pandemic I think um, Liam even made a comment of like, um, he was like, oh, I can like actually like reach and touch like yeah. the, the battle map, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of excitement there. And uh, it's cool that to to see these seating arrangements uh, for this campaign, which is just, I mean, it's not that big of a thing, but it's just fun that uh, each each campaign they've they've swapped up like who they're sitting next to, and it's it's just it'll lead to some fun dynamics between those those people and perhaps the characters as well we'll see Mm -hmm. if it bleeds over um but yeah so had to shout out the set (laughs) and then also gotta shout out sam regal's first ad bit (laughs) for oh my gosh three yes like so good oh my gosh man again if you're new to critical role they all have different roles within the company outside of of the DD game itself because they have built this company and might as well call it an empire at this point um, but Sam's role is like all of the the ad 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 stuff. Uh, so every episode he will shout out their sponsors and usually do some sort of bit to ham it up or you know. And some of them are like legitimately incredible. Um, so to to start off C three with such a bang where he legit like performed an actual like musical yeah. that he wrote and got you know produced was just really funny yeah. it was just amazing so yeah, I, my wife was like what what is this like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like i was like i don't know but i love it so so yeah i had to had to mention that as well yeah. um but yeah so moving forward into the actual episode uh, man there's we could really start anywhere um i yeah. guess do you have something in particular? Or? I mean, for me, like the biggest elephant in the room, I don't even know if, if it's fair to call it an elephant in the room, but the biggest thing that we have common ground in is the return of the EXU characters, mm-hmm. uh, Dorian, Fern, and Orem. Um, is that an okay starting point? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, so so I had, you know, we had talked a little bit about um, Liam O'Brien, like what character he might play and how he had given us a couple of breadcrumbs about how it might be 
uh, he had mentioned he was looking at some of the original classes and uh, there were some comments about him maybe even being a cleric. Um, but we, there was definitely a lot of conversation on top of that, excuse me, <coughs> on how he had even said during EXU that Orem was a character he had been working on for a long time. And mm-hmm. so there was a bit of a disconnect of, okay, he's put so much energy and excitement and has vocally talked about how important Orem is for him only to leave it behind after eight episodes was kind of interesting. Right. So that moment, and as Matt was describing it and explaining it and was connecting the dots, and then the three of them were walked in, three of them specifically being Dorian, um, frankly, I couldn't stop smiling. I mean, I was just literally like, no way. I know. No way. Because um, EXU, for all of its flaws, um, its characters were incredible. And to have those characters here uh, back to get more of them, it was really special for me personally, having watched EXU. And uh, I just I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, we are getting the continuation of their story. Uh, This is really amazing. Yeah, I felt the same way. I couldn't believe it. I was like, they did it. (laughs) They they really pulled a fast one on us. And some of this, I, I don't know. What do you think should do you think we should maybe even make another video to kind of talk about our thoughts on EXU now that we know this, or should we just talk about it right here? Um, I, I, I don't think, want to dive too far in a yeah, different direction. No, I, I think, I think maybe a, a separate video on like what, if you're watching campaign three and you didn't watch EXU or you didn't make it to the end of EXU, we might have another video up. That's just like, Hey, what are the big takeaways from it mm-hmm. in terms of like related plot points for, for why they may be on this mission that they're on. Yeah. Um, and a little bit maybe about some of the things that they've been through. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that we probably don't need to get too in the weeds on it other than maybe what's relevant for this episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, it does seem just, just from pure reaction standpoint, it was, I actually didn't pick up the, the detail that it's a year later. Um, yeah. and Matt did mention that Dariax and Opal are still back in by Roden, uh, which was a really really interesting detail to me considering that they were originally heading south to um the iron authority right right and opal has the crown which again if you haven't watched the you're probably like what are these details but point being the time jump is really interesting to me and it made me wonder as we were watching great example when when fern pickpockets the pachydon and um orem says to dorian like you know, something like, you know, what's the last couple of months been like? And Dorian says like horrible, like it's been really not horrible, but like it's been really challenging controlling her. Right. That made me wonder, okay, are we just referring to Fern's general nature or is something happening that Mm. is, has essentially facilitated this mission that they're on? Um, which I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we 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 maybe be on the lookout for the for another video there if you're interested in in more EXU specific thoughts like that. But um, it was just it was just uh, a lot of my issues I had with EXU, which again you can go and check out our videos. And also, actually, if you didn't watch EXU, we have a video recap of every episode. So if you want to catch up quick, definitely check those out. Um, but a lot of you know we both enjoyed EXU, but we we had our criticisms and i would say that the fact that they are continuing this in campaign three uh doesn't make all my criticisms go away but it definitely helps a lot of the issues i had so i'm i'm very uh 
interested and excited that we're going to get the continuation of these stories. And um, I haven't really uh, gone too far into what other people have said about the episode yet. I mean, we are recording this, like Blake said, it's just it's Friday. So, you know, just a handful of hours since the episode came out. Um, but I did see a little bit of people. Some people are like very upset that the EXU characters are in this. And um, <clears throat> surprises I mean, me. I know, I know, I know a handful of people didn't enjoy EXU, so I could, you know, I can understand why that they would be disappointed by that. But again, we can, this just goes into the whole, like, there's a way to like be disappointed or, you know, um, speak criticisms without being toxic. And I've definitely seen some toxicity, which is Mm. just a shame, you know, on already the premiere of the campaign, people are being that way. Um, Yeah. And I, I don't know how much it's like worth our airtime but yeah i mean a lot of the criticisms were plot related uh, people seem to really like the cast and so i am surprised to hear that there it has been negativity just 24 hours later but i would venture to guess it's just a, it's pure association it's you know yeah. exu bad and you know and so characters from it pop up and it's like boo and i mean these these characters i love these characters i mean um this is so far my favorite character from ashley johnson uh, it's definitely Liam has been crushing it. And then Dorian, those of you who haven't seen EXU, Dorian is a natural D&D player. This is only his second foray Phenomenal. into the D&D world. And um, I don't know, is, is is Dorian here to stay? Or did they say if he's a temporary yeah. addition? Or? They haven't come out and, and said. I know that um, a lot of people are asking just that. And the Critical Role Twitter account, as the episode was airing last night, like as characters were getting introduced, they would uh, tweet out their like official artwork for each character. And when it was Dorian, it said special guests. But so I don't know if that means Hmm. like, who knows how much we should read into that language. Is is it because he is like, this is a brand new, you know, showing of him or is it because he isn't only going to be here temporarily? I'm not sure. And um, kind of on that note, I know some people were thinking, well, like is Dorian here temporarily? Um, And if he is, does that mean the entire cadre of EXU characters may be here temporarily and we may have another introduction of Liam slash Ashley's real character, as it were? Um, And Matt actually kind of touched on that. And I'm actually just going to read what he said here. Um, He said, for EXU, Liam and Ashley brought in character concepts they were toying with for C3, taking the opportunity to develop them with Abria and feel them out over that series. If they decided they wanted to make new characters after, then they totally could. They both, however, were excited to continue exploring their stories, both barely just touched on in EXU, and carry them forward into C3. Given that, Robbie's Dorian was a perfect fit to join them, and here we are. With that, the opportunity for them to reroll their stats using the technique we've used in past campaigns was offered and taken up by Fern and Dorian. So that's why their stats were a little bit different. Um, You do not need to have seen EXU to enjoy this campaign or these characters' adventures to come, but you certainly should because it was a blast. Amy and uh, everyone is is brilliant in it, and uh, Bria is an absolutely brilliant DM. Alongside these comparably newer characters, Orem, Fern, and Dorian have only scratched the surface of their fateful past before them. There is still so much to explore with this wild bunch of weirdos, and I, for one, cannot wait. And Liam responded to this and said, side note, I've had Orem percolating since 2017. I've been waiting for this. So Mm. to me, that cements the fact that this is Liam and Ashley's character and makes me lean more towards maybe Robbie's permanence. Yeah. But okay. Yeah, or maybe 
maybe a long-term arc. You yeah. Know, maybe not, maybe not for the full duration of campaign three, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Robbie. I mean, he's phenomenal. Me um, I love all of them. Um, and I really enjoyed these characters from Alexandria unlimited. So it's great to see them back. I want to ask you though, speaking of like, you mentioned like, is this a temporary character? Is this somebody new? Um, which, Bertrand. Yeah, that's what I want to get to. <laughs> but before I say that, though, I am glad to hear Matt's comment, though, because Orem definitely took a backdrop in terms of his story uh, compared to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to dig in more on him. Bertrand Bell, though. So yeah. um, I noticed the character sheet that popped up. It said level five fighter. Everyone else, which this is interesting, everyone else started at level three. Yeah. Which we know in the past that Matt often starts his campaigns at level two. Uh, because one is pretty dangerous in general. It's hard to make compelling encounters without outright killing your party. And uh, level two is in general a, a little bit more fun. Uh, level three even more so because for many classes you get your um, your subclass. If you right. didn't get it at level two, two, you get it at level three. Why do you think he started everyone at level three? But more importantly, why is Bertrand Bell level five? Because that, okay. that, that latter part to me gives me the impression that we're not seeing Travis's actual um, character he'll be playing. I agree. First of all, I'm cosplaying as Travis right now. This was the same shirt he was wearing last night. And uh, if you watch our (laughs) What is Critical Role video, I could not find this shirt the other day. So everyone rest assured, I found it. Um, (laughs) I was like, when you told me originally, I was like, I have no idea what shirt that is, but I'm glad you found it. (laughs) But um, okay, so this is also something I know that I think is going to be news to you unless you've already dug around a little bit. Um, but what's what's another interesting tidbit is that Bertrand is a character Travis has played before in one-shots. Um, so this was... And I, I won't get into... As far as... Since I've seen Campaign 1 and Campaign 2, as far as like spoilers go in that area, I will at, if always at least give a warning if in case anyone wants to jump out. But two, I will usually only stay within the same realm that they're already operating in so like the only time i would spoil something is if campaign three already spoiled it like itself um so bertrand bell is a character from one shots um back from the in the in the era of the first campaign related um, to exu universe uh or sorry exandria universe yes like, yes some uh, one shots are totally outside of like correct, the lore yeah. canon whatever these one shots took place in Exandria okay. uh, back okay. during campaign one, basically, okay. um, which was some 20 or so or so years or maybe even closer to 30 from where we are now. Um, this is why he's half past dead, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was honestly kind <laughs> of old. Years old. <laughs> he was only kind of old in the one shots, so he's like really old now. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so that kind of combined with the fact that he is level five. Um just that makes me kind of raise an eyebrow that like there might be something more going on here and maybe it's because they're kind of using him to bring the party together because you know he bertrand is the one that kind of hey i might have work for you and kind of brings them all together and takes takes them to what is his name again lord esteros esteros thank you yeah um But why not? Why not just have an NPC like strolling along, being like, "Wow, that was really cool." Do you guys want to like? What's is it just to be different? Like, what's what's? Yeah, like I, give. I, I think that's the thing. I'm like hearing you say that, and I had a similar thought of like, is he sort of like the quest giver? But then the thing in the back of my mind was like, but why? Like, why, why have yeah. him in this role? 
Uh, yeah, that's that's a great question. That's my best guess is that, you know, like like they kind of uh, teased us with before campaign three started. They said, hey, you know, watch out. We're going to be doing some different stuff, some crazy stuff. And so like kind of the EXU people coming back. And I think maybe this is just them kind of throwing some things into the fire to like try just try some different stuff. And I mean, maybe it's just his character, but the, the biggest like red flag, even though it's not that it's like the biggest, you know, whatever sign to me is the fact that he's level five, because right. why would he be two levels higher? That's just going to be, it's just going to cause some weirdness. And he definitely would have been way higher than level five in those one shots I referred to. But that I just think is, you know, kind of making it work for what they're doing. But Anyway, so to say that I think I think he was de-leveled to five. So if you're going to de-level him to five, why wouldn't you just de-level him to three? Um, so anyway, I, I just think it was possibly a fun thing they were doing. Maybe Travis wanted to kind of, um, you know, kind of fool everyone in the cast for a little bit as well. Because um, I wouldn't be surprised if none of them knew that he was doing that until last night. And uh, it also got me wondering if perhaps the person that Orem and them are looking for is Travis's real character. Cause I thought that could be interesting. Ah, Maybe he's the oh, anger. Okay. Yeah. Or, um, which I couldn't tell if these are two separate people, the anger and then, uh, uh, Bashad Bre Bregio. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I've written down like two different ways to pronounce it because, um, Bertrand bell, like said it back to him, like obviously wrong. And they laughed about it. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what it, what exactly it is. But that is a thought I had was if not necessarily the detail you said, that's a great connector there. I thought maybe his character like physically origin story wise is elsewhere for some reason, like yeah. in a jail cell. I don't know. Um, that makes more sense, though, if it was the person they're looking for. That'd be an interesting detail. And it would explain, you know, hey, rather than being like, I'm here, you know, them actually having to find that person. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. But I, I'm definitely team. I don't think Bertrand is his real character, as it were. Um, yeah. Okay. But so I, I can't wait to. I mean, if it is, that's kind of exciting in and of itself too. Because why is he level five? And you know. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't wait to see what goes on with that. But he, um, again, without like being spoilery, he was the same type of character in the one shots. Kind of this big like making himself sound very important, you know, like he's kind of done in, in this episode of saying he owns the, the wing in that library. And I think they correct me if I'm wrong, but there was like a deception check rolled on that. And he was lying, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ashton insight, insight checked uh, Bertrand and rolled a natural 20. That's right. And basically it was, he's full of it. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, plus that added it on to the way that uh, Lord Estros kind of reacted to him. Like they weren't really as buddy buddy as as he had made yeah. it seem. He obviously has something else going on. So I think that this may just be the first plot hook or the reason or a creative way to have brought the party together. Um, but I, I still think Travis's character is out there somewhere. Yeah, which the acting is phenomenal. I mean, the way yeah. Bertrand is presented of this overconfident showman on top of the fact as they're arriving to Lord Estros's study, you can just read the nervousness on him. Um, like the door's there and he says, he pauses and he goes, okay, here we go. And 
you know, and you're kind of, it's like that duality there. It's, it's interesting. He's almost like this desperate, I think of a, of a salesperson, like a slimy <laughs> salesperson. He's yeah, like yeah. really like building up to like, you know, the big presentation. Um, but yeah, he, obviously he's not on good terms with Lord Esteros, um, not in a nefarious way, but uh, the impression I got was like, why are you here? Like, why are you bothering me? Yeah. Kind of what I seems like he's like it. in deep with him. Like maybe he owes him money or, or yeah. Something. Or yeah, there's definitely a, a level of desperation there of yeah. like, I I'm bringing these people cause it's like my last option. So yeah. Which and, what's, what's going on with Lord Esteros? You know, I didn't you know, yeah. interrupt you by the way. But. No, no, you're fine. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's, uh, it seems like he is, was it revealed that he was a member of one of these things we, we we've mentioned? No, I don't think one so. of the things is anonymous, anonymous, right? It's anonymous. Yeah. The, which one uh, is that? The Chandri Quorum. Okay. Uh, let me double check this. The, Ch- the Ch- Chande Quorum. Okay. Is, uh, anonymous, yeah. which that's anonymous, interesting. Yeah. That's just like and a no- fascinating way for like a power structure to work that, that, it, that it's anonymous. Yeah, and remind me before we're done on this episode to point out a couple other big players, not necessarily in Dressar, but um, elsewhere in Marquette. Um, just some of the things that Matt mentioned, who are also big players. But okay. anyway, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, but I don't know. I mean, Bertrand actually said though he was like, "Oh, of course I know someone who's on it." Right, he right. That too, which yeah, makes sense. It's just full of it. Um, and uh, Imogen tried to read Detect Thoughts, which seems to be some kind of feat. I think it, she even described it as a feat because mm-hmm. um, she's a sorcerer. And I was like, well, what, what is she casting here? And it wasn't the detects thoughts spell, although fresh cut grass cast that later, it is her feet. And so she tries to detect thoughts fails. Um, but I thought it was interesting that both those characters are able to detect thoughts. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was, it's possibly interesting is because we, we, it wasn't fully revealed what, Laura Imogen is it Imogen is that how you say it I think so yeah Imogen Uh, it wasn't revealed what Imogen was particularly wanting access to research was it like that wasn't revealed like what specifically she was hoping to study and I wonder if it has something to do with like her powers and the onset of she was asked directly twice ability to and she ignored the question both times yeah and so uh actually I think Laudna jumped in and said like we're just sightseeing and traveling and just want to, you know, essentially, which was interesting because I was wondering their origin story as well. I thought maybe mm-hmm. they were even sisters and uh, essentially says they met up in a town connected. And then the part that is a bit, you can, you know, exaggerative, I guess is, yeah, we're just seeing the world. And, um, but I, I assume her quest, I mean, the fact Ladna is there to support her, I would assume, I assumed it actually was maybe related to Ladna who, um, you know, similar to um, EXU, where uh, Opal's sister, something's mm-hmm. happened to her sister. Um, Ladna seems, which could just be totally just natural for Ladna, but Ladna, I couldn't tell if Ladna was undead or just has, if yeah. she's packed up, packed of the undead. Because I did some, I did that is one thing during the episode that I was Googling. Um, cause I did not, I've played a warlock. I did not under recognize what she was doing at all. And, uh, there is an undead pact basically. Um, and so where you're basically connected to a creature that has stepped outside of the cycle of life and death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they give some examples of who these characters are in, in lore. 
Um, so I even wondered if like they were looking for a book to help Ladna or I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I was wondering, too, if she was human or if she was some like variant race. Um, but I don't I don't think I don't think she ever even said like it was kind of left anonymous or not anonymous, but you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I'm very interested in their relationship. They they have a really interesting one because uh, they they seem very different, at least on the surface. You know, you've got this, uh, like we mentioned, like a macabre kind of darker um, person in Ladna. And then you've got, at least from the description we're given and the, the accent, just this like Southern kind of like young, nice Southern girl. Belle. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I love the yeah. accent, by the way. I mean, not everyone in the cast is like doing a like a starkly different accent than their normal voice. But the ones that are, they're just so good man like yeah every literally every character that came on screen i was like okay i love this character like yeah yeah i mean everyone is great the bottom line yeah and uh, specifically a shout out to marisha who's not um i think she's done a little voice work but like compared to the other people at the table she's not um uh she hasn't like she's not as experienced um and so this is uh this is the first time she's kind of thrown on like a really different voice from her normal voice. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty exciting. Yeah, and, I wouldn't uh, have known that. She was great. It, it's great how... I uh, love her character. Yeah, it's great how much you can like, how much that really paints a picture just from the voice that they've, you know, attributed to them. Um, but yeah, I really like Laudna because it seems like, you know, she is portray- casting this like dark persona but she seems like really kind of sweet at heart you know like yeah, she wanted I mean, to play with those kids and yeah and they're terrified she's like i love kids like yeah. what <laughs> so uh, i'm really interested to see kind of how that unfolds and just to enter it's very very adam's family esque yeah yeah is yeah the impression i got was i was like this is an adam's i can't remember what the daughter's name is but i was like this is that character basically uh, of, wednesday uh, yeah i mean you know there's definitely like this this you know, darkness, uh, about her, but yet it's almost like a dark comedy almost. Yeah. And, uh, this is kind of just pure speculation territory, but I think I was thinking it would be a really cool, like kind of foil. If, um, Laura's character Imogen is, you know, this outwardly facing really pretty, like, you know, Southern girl. I mean, we keep saying Southern. It's not Southern in Alexandria, but uh, that type of girl. But really, maybe she's got like the darkness in her. And so that's why mm. I was wondering, like, I wonder yeah. if she's looking for this research because, um, you know, maybe this ability to detect thoughts is new to her. Like, maybe she's like, what's happening to me? And uh, this is, like I said, taking a shot in the dark here. But I just think that would be a cool little parallel. Um, yeah, I like I like that comment, too, because coming out of the Starpoint Conservatory, she tries to read um, the Escatore's uh, mind, the person who basically gave her the rejection letter. And, uh, uh, Matt mentions that all the students walking by ends up actually being fairly overwhelming, uh, and pains her, like creates a headache or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there is this level of amateurism, I guess, with it that, that I, I think you, I didn't recognize that until you made that comment. Um, so you may be totally spot on. That would be cool. And I, I just like the pairings we have. Uh, obviously, with the new campaign, all the characters have to come together like they have, but um, some of them start having known each other. So we've got, you know, the Laudna Imogen connection. Uh, and the one I'm probably most excited... I mean, obviously, we've got the EXU connection. Um, but the one I'm most excited about, I think, is just Sam and Talison with Fresh Cut Grass and Ashton. I just... 
what mm. a freaking pairing i <laughs> i can't wait to see more of that unfold um i think what i like about talison's character too ashton is it's not like the um brooding like loner mm-hmm. like sort of the, the stereotype but like in some but it is a bit of the loner who is also like very um uh i can't find the phrasing that i want to use for this but there's this natural camaraderie yeah that uh that they and, and fresh cut cut grass have together and even as fresh cut grass is sort of talking you know, like what is my purpose <laughs> um ashton's like isn't this great like i've been waiting for people to like see this and yeah uh, so definitely like this this optimism that is unique and uh intriguing about about them yeah they're they're two of my early favorites for sure and uh, and the character design by the way is amazing for amazing so freaking cool amazing and uh having having this conversation with you right now i'm kind of seeing a parallel as well with like the exterior of Ashton kind of projecting this like badass, like I hate everyone stay away from me, but we're kind of seeing that in reality, he does kind of like he has friends and is, you know, kind of softer than his exterior is. Yeah. Is revealing the show. Yeah. But dang, what has happened to his head? What is going on with that? Like uh, he says, you know, you see hell if you stare into it. I wonder. Yeah. And I love Fern just being like, I don't, I don't see anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they, they made a really cool comment, I thought, of like describing their injury, I guess, is mm-hmm. fair to, to, to put it. Yeah. Um, and also the concept of the the hammer, the glass hammer. Um, so this theme of like glass, or I think they even described it as like slag glass. Um, so it's very, uh, I don't want to say steampunky, but definitely like yeah. this really cool, tangible vibe. Um yeah, the character's really cool. The design's really cool. Uh, I love your comment on on them having this foil with uh, fresh cut grass. Which are you are you suggesting then that fresh cut grass has a bit of a nefarious or like uh, uh, darker internal? I mean, seems seems very wholesome. Like, yeah, no, no, not necessarily. But I just I do think there's more to fresh cut grass. Also, <laughs> every time I say fresh cut grass, I just, <laughs> it cracks me up. Um, yeah. I do Which, think there's more. Do you think to that's? Him. Do you think that's his name? His real name? Um, I I think so. Just be, okay. I mean, maybe not, but just the fact that he's I, got like the symbol that looks like that. Sure. Um, I wondered if if he was named something else, but I, I guess also there's no real reason to lie about dancer about that story. I guess, but yeah. um, I did think that was interesting. Um, I am pretty curious about his story of all of his friends dying basically Is that going to your comment it seems like something was left out there uh or rather it seemed a bit convenient i was asleep and then i woke up and everyone was dead like yeah. that that was a bit peculiar to me and i'm not sure what it is that rubs me off about <laughs> rubs me the wrong way about that <laughs> <laughs> i think there's there's definitely more there especially because it's sam and uh he has some of the most like complex uh characters in the past campaigns and he's a very talented actor and so i just there's more to this like i'm not saying it's something sinister or anything but i just think there's there's definitely like we're all i think i even texted you this i was like can't wait to be emotionally devastated by this robot (laughs) because i know it's happening at some point 
Yeah. But but gave so much backstory so quickly that I was almost like, this is this seems a little too easy. Like that's yeah. another thing that, that threw me off a bit by it. Um so yeah, and it, it almost makes me wonder if that will be maybe not the next immediate quest, but nearby, because there was the comment made from Ashton, like something along the lines of like, oh yeah, the silver mine is not far from here. Mm, I didn't pick up on I that. Thought, so that would be interesting. Yeah, that, that's an interesting comment to make. And so it seems like since it's not far, that maybe their journey would take them there at some point. That would be interesting. I, w- I would love to see that and maybe get some more clues as to, to what happened there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess... Do you have anything else to say about like the introductions and the characters themselves? Otherwise, I guess I was going to kind of push on to something else. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, I'll just say the one detail that I really liked was um, the Dorian telling the story of getting robbed or pickpocketed and then Fern pickpocketing yes. the other person in the train <laughs> car. And Dorian's like, I just told you. And, she, and she's like, I thought... What I took from that was that it's easy to do it. It was, yeah. you know, what do you expect? So I just love that comment instead of like getting the actual theme of, you know, anyway. Yeah, that was an incredible moment. And no, uh, one other, I, I, like I, I remember something now too. One other interesting thing is that Laudno reveals she's from Whitestone, which is a, um, yes, right. a very prominent place in Exandria and uh, a place that was uh, a big part of campaign one. Uh, and so it was funny that she said it was really shitty. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to find out more about her and kind of what's going on there. Um, but yeah, I, so now speaking of, you know, we were just saying, you know, maybe they'll go to that mine and that will be kind of like a a quest that happens soon. Obviously they're dealing with Esteros right now and whatever that's going to be. I mean, presumably they show him enough i don't think you know i'm not gonna say they defeat him because i don't think they're gonna kill him or uh, anything classic enough yeah yeah exactly and i can only imagine that he will have some he will give them a quest as it were because you know they're trying to get clout trying to get money so he will send them in some direction um but beyond that or he will kill the party and that will and then that's it we'll we'll be back for campaign four yeah (laughs) um but beyond that, the the main thing we know, and again, we might talk about this in a, in a at a later date or in another video. But there's a lot of loose ends from EXU, and we now have you know a whole lot of those people in this story. So I wonder if those threads will be picked up because they're obviously not going to be dropped. So it's mm. either like, well, I guess you know based on Matt's comments, it do, it seems like Fern and, and Orm are here to stay. So I feel like that has to be coming up soon because they're they're currently on a mission so it's not like they're just gonna let's do whatever estero says and you know what's next like you know they're they're already on a mission so I oh, and it has to be related to the crown right i mean but then again uh they mentioned matt mentioned in the intro that opal i think still has it in by Rodin. um so but I, I don't know i i don't know if like the grand narrative is going to be related to vestiges or or what have you but um, you're right. This this is a running plot thread they're not going to drop. And so I would venture to guess um, Orem's comment on his intuition seems to imply that you know these roads are going to intersect, mm-hmm. whether that it's immediately with Lord Esteros or the follow up beyond that. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, 
Well, but their the their quest was not the crown. Remember, the crown right. was just kind of an added thing. They're, right, right. They're yeah. working on you know potentially what was coming out of the earth and these the weird things they're finding. Sorry, it's it's hard to remember what was the main <laughs> the main thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I can only imagine that's got to be coming up soon. Um. But yeah, uh, oh yeah, just so I don't forget this, one other thing I wanted to say is that Sam uh, is wearing the same t-shirt he wore on Campaign 2 Episode 1 and Campaign 1 Episode 1. So he kind of did this last time during Campaign 2. He would like wear the same shirt week to week. And uh, oh. <laughs> so it's funny that he's he started that again. I wonder... Did he carry that all the way through Campaign 2? Not all the way through, but... Uh, yeah a good chunk of it so uh, i'm curious to see if he's doing that again or if this is almost like a reverse troll that like he'll do it for episode one and then he's like you're just kidding i'm not doing this again so yeah okay okay nice well um if i could also mention a couple other like details that i don't know how how soon they'll come up um, yeah but just like in terms of like the generic uh landscape of you know marquette um so and and there's a, an updated map, uh, so I won't like go to like actual actual locations, but a couple other like major powers in the area that Matt mentioned was one was the Stratos Throne, and the other one was the Court of the I think Lambent Path, mm-hmm. and that they had a conflict at some point called the Apex War that ended in what I took it to mean basically a standstill or a stalemate, um, excuse me, um, and then. Um, that's it. <laughs> That's the only thing I was like, oh, I want to make sure I mentioned that. And then I looked back at the page and I was like, actually, it's just these two quick data points. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did. There's especially at the start of a campaign like this, even coming from from, from someone who's seen all the other campaigns, it's a massive information dump. And uh, a lot of this is brand new uh, to me as well. So I think that kind of like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Matt gives like a like a five minute monologue at the uh beginning of the campaign i know i need to probably watch that a few more times and really pick up on all the details because they're i mean he painted a beautiful picture like the, he's he's so great at kind of painting right. the landscape um but yeah there was a there was a lot of like a lot of named places mentioned and it seems like there's a whole you know a whole world within just marquette for yeah. us to uncover it, which is exciting. I mean, it it gives you a sense of like adventure or exploration of like, ooh, I wonder where they're going to go next. Um, but definitely halfway through the monologue, I turned to my wife and I was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> what, me too." What's I the was name? Like, I have to I mean, watch this again. So many names. Um, oh, there was a detail I wrote down. Um, An Karel, I think, mm-hmm. is the yeah. capital, <clears throat> and then Jaman San Ord. Jaman San Ord, yeah, yeah, is the leader. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, there's which, also uh, the the Ascension Rise University, uh, which originally turns down Imogen uh, before they go to the Starpoint Conservatory, and both of those are in the Airy Spire, which is the tallest but smallest spire, and some of the higher um, houses uh, live here as well. And there will be a quiz on this next yeah. week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, so yeah, if anyone else is out there feeling kind of lost in all these details, don't worry, you know it'll 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 become clear as we spend more time there and you know blake and i are here to to help out as well sure. um but yeah, yeah. jamon saw word and uh on Carell were have been mentioned a little bit in uh 
briefly touched on in in the first campaign so i'm interested okay, to cool. kind of see more of yeah, that neat okay well uh what do you have anything else you want to mention by the way i probably do but not <laughs> that i not that i can think of now we've been we've hit most of it yeah yeah and it's we've been going a little bit about a little over an hour so um yeah, I guess what I what I would end with would be, and I feel bad always setting you up with this question because I don't give you time to think. <laughs> but um, we finished the first episode. Sounds like we both really enjoyed it. I did. Um, so many great moments. Watching it for the second time today, I mean, I still enjoyed it just as much. Um, give me a a safe prediction for what's coming up in uh, maybe in the next handful of episodes. And then give me just like we did last time. Ask for a bold prediction. Give me a a just a risky. Oh man, like, this is probably not going to happen. Kind of prediction. Safe prediction, I guess, is that you know they they go on this mission for Lord Estros, and you know that that leads to Travis's real character showing up. Because I mean, maybe this is a bold prediction too, because it involves a player changing their character, but. I think that's a pretty safe bet that we're going to get uh, that this has kind of been a red herring with uh, Bertrand. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that those paths will will cross maybe even as soon as the next couple episodes, because um, I don't think if they are doing a bait and switch, I don't think they'll they'll have him play Bertrand for very long. Um, and the a bolder prediction, I guess, would be. Man, I don't know that like. Maybe someone, uh, I don't know, maybe someone dies, but I was thinking like, if Robbie is permanent, I feel like they would have like come out and explicitly said that, but I guess they wouldn't like write in him dying. So if like, you know, if he was going to be gone, he would just leave. He wouldn't have to die. So, uh, I don't know. I feel that was like a cop out answer, but do you have one? Yeah. Speaking of Robbie, by the way, I know he mentioned he stayed here one night was it also implied he's from Marquette, though? Uh, I wasn't sure. Did uh, did you pick up on that? I didn't pick up well, on that, but in I the might intro, have missed it. In the intro of their original characters, um, Matt, I need to go back and watch the VOD. Matt said something about how, like, the two of them, it was like, oh, well, we're on the airship, but the third of them had been here and knew it. Um, and so I was just curious, does that mean he was coming from Marquette to Taldore? Uh, and then the follow-up from that, again, maybe this, we should put a, a separate video on this, but um, who's his brother? Mm-hmm. What's the royalty that he's from? You know, all that kind of stuff. But Yeah, I um, think kind of based on that, that I don't think he's from here, because also, would, isn't he like on the run from from that yeah, section right. of his life? So I doubt he would yeah. would come, come back, back here. But Yeah. Um, yeah, safe prediction is, I think... Lord Estros is like a vampire is my guess. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like this, this is a bold prediction, not a safe really? prediction. I mean, I think the implication <laughs> is, well, I was thinking like full on vampire. Cause I mean, the dude's got no light in his house in like middle that, of the okay, day. That's true. So I was like, this is pretty heavy handed. So I thought it was pretty obvious. Whoa. But then once he was an orc, I was like, okay, can there be vampire orcs? Yeah. Of you know, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. They so, can be is is something that doesn't like sunlight or something i'm not quite sure um bold prediction would be that um we we may meet the big bad in the next couple of episodes of like the whole campaign whole campaign that'd be crazy 
So we'll okay. See. All right. All right. I like that. And I think both of yours are bold predictions. So I'm just, but I'm giving you credit. Yeah, like, I, hope, you? I hope he is a vampire. <laughs> and if he is, I'm not going to say that it was the obvious. I'm going to say that, wow, what a call. Hey, we're, we, we get them, you know, like 90% we don't talk about, but the other 10% predictions, like we really, <laughs> you'll hear from us. You'll hear from us, us again about this. So for sure. Well, I'm excited for next Thursday. Um, I have an idea for our thumbnail. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, I was thinking just, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say before, like uh, before we dive into that, I just wanted to say one more time for for anyone that's that's with us and hanging out. Thank you so much, and uh, please let us know uh, again what type of recap you like. Do you like the in depth? Do you like the short? Please let us know, and let us know if you have any like if there's anything you want us to talk about each week, or you know any specific questions. You know, obviously drop those in the comments, and uh, um, yeah, that's all I got. So sorry. Oh, and our our Twitter is oh yeah we've changed it yep. it's at the pixelus how yep. about that much so easier easy. now and it's yeah. it's the, actually the same account so if you were already following us or whatever you've already interacted with us nothing changes but we just changed our actual handle which yeah. you can do we called, Who knew? Jack, called jack yep. got it changed called him so. up so yeah yep. we are now the pixelists so definitely which check us out there and, <laughs> Ooh, and I, I did want to say this so thank you for bringing this up um, like I said, I've seen the other campaigns. Uh, again, I, I'm not really ever going to spoil stuff that the, the the cast themselves haven't dived into. But if you're like me and have seen the other campaigns and, you know, have some like theory crafting or speculative, you know, whatever that might relate to them and you want to talk to about it, definitely hit me up on Twitter and we can have like a, you know, a, where we don't have to spoil it for everyone else. Uh, but yeah, I'd love I'd love to talk to you guys there. Yeah, for sure. And don't be a stranger in the comments. You know we love to engage with you, so let us know your thoughts. But all right, thumbnail. thumbnail My suggestion is just like a either like a chef's kiss or just like a like an like we're here. <laughs> it's episode one. Okay. Like just in ecstasy. All right. I'm down <laughs> for that. All right, yeah. Is yeah. It, I'm gonna that, do just I'm, like... I'm really big on like the hand, you know, motion yeah. for myself. So does this all read? Right. Does this read as a still image or not really? I think this doesn't, but like maybe I think maybe this, like the or that. Yeah, that works. Okay. I think that works. Yeah. Well, no, after the fact, it'll be like this was stupid. All right. <laughs> or be like we're geniuses. All right. All right you all right. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <clears throat> all right. Oh yeah. We That's got it, I'm baby. Feeling. Well, I'm ready for next Thursday. And uh yeah. Yeah. I mean, not That's to steal got. Matt's line, but is it Thursday yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's our line. Yep, it's ours now. (laughs) All right, sweet. Bye, everyone. See ya.